When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, it's time to talk Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy whom Washington will be interested in, especially if they can't land a top-tier quarterback. It's possible that Garoppolo will be the best QB available via trade, so I chat with my ESPN colleague who covers the 49ers, Nick Wagner. You can follow Nick on Twitter at NWagner, N-W-A-G-O-N-E-R. And you can read our work on ESPN.com. I have a story up Friday about Washington skill players and questions about this group going forward. Why there's some optimism, but also why there's some questions. And I talked to Matt Bowen for this story, and he shares some of his thoughts in the article. You can also follow this podcast on Empire Media YouTube, where you can like, share, and subscribe, plus leave a comment. You can also subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your podcast. I try to get to as many of those comments, by the way, as possible. Now, I'll get to my conversation in a minute, but one there's something I want to touch on here um, before I get to my conversation with Nick. Let's start with the crest. Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch reported that, t- that the team had asked the league about changing the crest and that they were denied that request. Now, I talked to somebody in the league who said, yes, they did deny it because Washington wanted to use Roman numerals. The NFL prohibits anyone from doing so. This is not in retaliation to anything. It's a standard policy that they have. So it was an easy no for them. Again, not vindictive revenge for this investigation. But the person told me, and this is where you you need to know, that Washington is free to change the years on that crest. And they would not have to wait five years or so because of any requirement about uniform logos or anything like that. An issue they might have is that they might have to file another trademark for this crest with the updated years. And I don't know if that's, if I don't know that yet, but that would have been the case even if they had changed to Roman numerals. Still, the NFL gave their, gave its blessing to change it immediately if that's what they want to put on there. This did not need to happen. And it's a shame for the fan base that it did. It's just another something to get upset about with what's going on here. When I talk to some people over there, they bemoan how few people on the business side have come from the NFL. It's good to get outside views and voices, but you need people internally who understand the league and how it operates. Now, I don't know, in this case, really all you had to do is ask somebody who played for those teams, ask a Doug Williams who's in the building, Joe Theismann who's often there. You, there, are, there is institutional knowledge available You just have to use it. Anyway, it's just another piece of news that gets old for fans, I know. As far as this podcast, let's talk a little about Jimmy G. And I highly, highly doubt that Washington would use a first-round pick to trade for him. I would be shocked by that. He does represent a bit of a conundrum because of his injury history. What do you pay him? And what is what do you give up for him in a trade? I think there's a lot of ambiguity or a lot of uncertainty about him because of all that. Carolina, to me, did not help by overpaying for Sam Darnold last year. I think Garoppolo is definitely better than Sam Darnold. I don't think it's close. 
And they, and I think Darnold's just not a very good quarterback at this point, especially because of all this, they can't give Garoppolo a real big contract. What that means in this day and age, who knows, but it means they know they can't go overboard, not with his injury history and not with the level of play, which would be probably mid tier. And trust me on this. There are many quarterbacks they're looking at many. So while I focus this podcast on Jimmy G today, it does not mean he's a primary target. There are a few ahead of him, but the only reason I keep coming back to him is because he's the one that we know is definitely available. So you have to talk about him. I know if they don't get some other QBs that they will be interested, but I don't think it's a break the bank situation. You have to surround him with the right parts and to, ma- and to be able to maintain that. If they get a Russell Wilson, they, you can feel they'll feel they're good enough to withstand the loss of some draft capital. And Wilson will be a target, as you would imagine. As ESPN's Brady Henderson said on last week's podcast, Seattle would need to have a path to its next quarterback if they do trade Wilson. They could use, and here's, I guess, one way is you could use whatever capital they acquire in a trade to then pursue another quarterback. A Deshaun Watson, if, if, if the legal issues with all those women are resolved, that would be Washington's path to possibly get Wilson. And I'm not yet dismissing Derek Carr, not until an extension is worked out in Las Vegas. And maybe that will happen. And it, there's been rumors that it is, that it, that it's been being worked on. I don't know what's going to happen there. I do know that Josh McDaniels coached Garoppolo in New England, and he, of course, knows that offense. I don't know if they'd go that route and trade Carr, but that's the one route where he becomes available. With, with Watson, again, it hinges on those charges being dropped. And I think this team would be interested as, in him as well if those charges are dropped, if the owner signs off on it. And depending on what comes out through some of these investigations um, into him, again, if, even if the charges are dropped, there's still other questions that you'd have to have and that they would have. There's a long ways to go with Watson. And again, he'd also have to want to come here. I don't know if there's been a change in that thinking along those lines or not. Um, in the past, it would be a no. My sense is they know exactly what Garoppolo brings and that he'd be similar to what Andy Reid did in acquiring Alex Smith once upon a time in Kansas City. I don't believe they would see um, him as a long-term solution, but rather someone to you get him and you reevaluate after a couple of years. Whereas with Wilson, you're getting him and you know you're locked up for at least five years. With, with Jimmy G in the NFC, San Francisco proved you could reach a certain point. He did go to an NFC championship, two NFC championship games, and one Super Bowl where they really they went to the fourth quarter with a lead with him at quarterback. The NFC has top level, and I'm not saying that was all because of him, but the point is they were in that position with him. The NFC has top level quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers. They had, it had Tom Brady in the past, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, obviously very good as well. But it is not stacked with young quarterbacks like, like they have in the AFC. Jimmy G in the AFC, to me, becomes a different issue. You have to get through Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, among others. And then you get the Derek Cars of the world. Here in the NFC East, yeah, while Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, he's not a leap, so the gap wouldn't be so wide. I'd still I take Dak over Garoppolo, but the point is the ability to contend is easier and in the NFC and in this division in particular with the guy like Garoppolo. Again, if I were an AFC team and if you're Pittsburgh, and I know that the, you know, as as you'll hear that they'll be one of the teams possibly in on him, I think I'd have a slightly different view, although they have a lot to offer as well. So We'll see, but that's part of why I think you could go that route, and it's part of why you could at least 
think you could still build and you can still build with him because you're not going to have to give up as much draft capital or as much cap space. The question is, what's the ceiling that you can get to? So there are a lot of questions with him, which is why I wanted to have Nick on again. Please understand. I'm not saying they have to go get him. I'm just saying he will be available. We'll get more into the college quarterbacks and other podcasts, but I still believe Kenny Pickett would be the guy at 11 if they don't have a guy. And if he, of course, is there. Malik Willis remains intriguing as well. The hard part right now is to know where the hell any of them are going to go off the board. And while I have told you that every person I've talked to has said the number one quarterback in this class is behind the first five last year, I did talk to one analyst the other day who liked Pickett more than he did Mac Jones. And partly you now, part of the appeal to Pickett is the vast experience and the maturity to his game. For a team like Washington, that means he could provide more help right away. And you know what you have in him with Willis. I do believe they know they'd have to pair him with the stopgap. You know, it's somebody, you know, is it with it, whether like if Carson Wentz becomes available or somebody like that, there would be more to develop with Willis, more that you'd have to develop with him because of where he played and the style of play. They asked him to run, et cetera, et cetera. But he is intriguing, to say the least. Anyway, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be, be I'll be back with ESPN's Nick Wagner as we discuss the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. Nick covered him his entire time in San Francisco and knows that entire experience. He's not following the narrative. He's sharing what he knows and what he's seen up close. Pay attention. There's good and bad. What would it cost to acquire him? Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with ESPN's Nick Wagner. All right, Nick. So I want to bring you on to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, of course. And it's a name that it's funny because if you put his name out there in social media with any any fan base, but I know this fan base, they are not thrilled at the prospect of getting him. You've covered him for a few years, and I want to go down the whole road of the whole Jimmy G experience and what's been fair, what's not, what is, you know, and all that. You, there's a, It's quite a roller coaster. In general, what would you say about him as a quarterback, and how has he been for San Francisco? It's been five years, and and it, it's funny because you talk about getting not great reactions. You know, that's kind of been what it's been here for the last, at least the last couple of years. But if you go back to the beginning with him, he was the franchise savior. You know, he came in in 2017 on Halloween and had to wait a little bit, and then was named the starter after some injury stuff. And he went five and zero oh. at the end of 2017. Those were his five, his only starts with the Niners. Became the highest paid quarterback and the highest paid player in the league for a very short period of time. Um, and everyone was saying, "This is they finally have their next big franchise quarterback that they've been looking for forever." So the reality of what happened in that time uh, over the course of those five years is a lot of injury plagues. Uh, you know that popped up where it was always something with him uh, in 2020. There were some a couple of ankle issues and, and some other things. And then this year, he he was made mostly healthy this year, but played through injuries certainly at the end of the season. And that was kind of the thing that was always holding him back from – and really holding the Niners back from figuring out exactly what they have. Um, and, and I think that's kind of – you know, I'm not going to say injuries are the only reason that the Niners made the move they did for Trey Lance, but I'd say it was driving the bus. And then the other things were riding shotguns. So – um, in the totality of it, though, when you look at it now, I think Jimmy Garoppolo was certainly an upgrade over anything that they had. Uh, sure. The success that they had with him, you can argue quarterback wins is a stat, not a stat. I understand all that. But putting that aside, the sample size was big enough 
that when you look at the way the 49ers played with Jimmy on the field and the way they played without him on the field, it's just a massive difference, and it's hard to ignore. They were 35 and 16 when Jimmy Garoppolo was on the field, which among starters with at least 10 starts in the last five years, that winning percentage is the fifth best in the NFL. And without him, under Kyle Shanahan, again, since 2017, they were 8 and 28. So wow. you can say what you want. There's, and again, about quarterback wins, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Jimmy was the reason that they won a lot of those games. But certainly those numbers kind of speak for themselves. And I think that there is something to be said for him at least getting them to the place that they're at now or having a, a part in them being the place that they're at now, which is certainly much better than when he found it. When, when you look at that, you know, obviously that trade last year, you brought up the fact that, you know, the injuries played a part in that. And first of all, Nick wrote a really good, um, it was about two weeks ago, I think you did something on the whole Jimmy G, like why they might trade him, et cetera, et cetera. Just kind of a, a, an FAQ on the Jimmy G situation in San Francisco, worth checking out. Um, but in that, like what were some of the other reasons what, that maybe held him back from being better or getting to the point where maybe people thought he might after they traded him? Yeah, let, let me start here. In, in 2018, when Jimmy tore his ACL, it was week three against Kansas City, he tore his ACL. And the guy that we saw before that was a guy who was a little bit of a gunslinger, right? Like he was unafraid uh, to, to maybe to his detriment a little bit, but he, he threw some picks and things like that at the end of 2017, but uh, also made a lot of a lot of throws, even on the move, which isn't his specialty, but he would get out of the pocket and make some plays down the field and, you know, off schedule stuff that you didn't necessarily expect from him. You didn't see that after he came back from the ACL. And still to this day, you don't see that a lot. He's, mobility is certainly not a strength of his, but just the ability to do that every once in a while, he didn't do it nearly as much after the ACL injury. So you got kind of a different quarterback uh, then. But the things that have held him back, the things that he hasn't done particularly well, that I think that, that the Niners were concerned about in addition to the injuries, number one was turnovers. Um, it was something that Kyle Shanahan uh, certainly tried to coach out of him and, and, and didn't quite get there. You know, Matt Ryan is, is the example that people use where Kyle Shanahan's first year with Matt Ryan, I, I forget the number, but it was a lot of interceptions. And then the, the next year, that number dropped precipitously. I think like uh, he cut it in a, in, to like a third. I think he threw like six and he won the MVP that year. And nobody was expecting Jimmy necessarily to come back and win MVP, but certainly if he could have cut and cut those interceptions down, because he's always kind of in that, you know, 13, 14, 15 range, cut that down to something closer to seven or eight. I think that they, they would have felt much better about his future. The other thing, and it was weird because it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing is the deep ball, you know, and that's not a huge staple of the Kyle Shanahan offense. As, as you know, as people there know, that's not a huge thing that they do, but the ability to kind of take the offense to the next level that's one of the things that's missing. And Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019, which was his best season, he led them to the Super Bowl. Again, he was part of the Super Bowl team. He was a, right. a big part of that. Um, but that was something that he – I think he led the league in completion percentage on passes thrown 20-plus yards down the field, which sounds great. But then you look at it and say he threw the few – he had the fewest attempts. <laughs> he, he did the lead. Again, the kind of thing – that was never really a part of his game, and I think Kyle Shanahan wanted it to be a little bit more. He wanted to have that element in the offense a little bit more, particularly because of all the things they do in the run game that can set up some of those opportunities. Right. And Garoppolo either was not willing to take those shots, or when he did, he missed them a lot. And that was that was kind of the case this past year. You would see big passes and key moments that he missed. Um, even even go to the NFC Championship game most recently at the very beginning of that game, he has George Kittle running free. 
down the middle of the field yeah. and he overshoots them. And it probably would have been a touchdown. Who knows how that game changes? So those two things, the, the turnovers, the ability, the inability to kind of elevate that offense level added that I was missing I think those were the things outside of the injuries uh, that ultimately you know made the Niners want to want to look elsewhere you know it's funny you talk about the turnovers and you and I talked about this before a few weeks ago though but when you watch him he has that quick twitch release and I think that helps him and I think it hurts him too because it helps him because he can he can like one thing that these guys are looking for here is a guy who doesn't you know you want you you want your feet to mirror your eyes right they always want that Sometimes it won't happen because the pocket doesn't allow it. So can the guy still make an accurate throw? Can he make a good throw and all that? He does that. But I also think it leads to a lot of picks where you say, how did you not see that guy there? Yeah, and I think part of that is, is John, and one of the things people will get, you know, criticize him about, but it's not really his fault. It's just he's playing in his offense is that, Kyle Shanahan's offense is designed to have a lot of guys running free, right? Like right. It, it's very quarterback friendly in the sense of what happens on the field. It's not necessarily quarterback friendly in terms of how hard it is to learn and digest right. and everything and all that. But once once you get it, it, it should be there. And so I think a lot of times maybe Jimmy kind of fell back on that and he would force balls into spots that he would think should be open and not necessarily look to see that if it was open, you know, right. uh, because it was the first read or, you know, even maybe the second read and that kind of thing where he's not necessarily have to get through a progression because this is what he is told should be open and he's going to cut. It, it's funny. You're right. It, it does. It is one of those things that kind of works to, for him, but it also can be to his detriment a little bit. And and also he, he just had a bad habit, especially a lot of his interceptions came over the middle, um, which is the part of the field the 49ers use the most. And, and those are those in-breaking routes, as, as I'm sure Washington fans certainly remember, of, of Kyle Shanahan's offense, a big staple. And, and those are the things that, you know, add up, happen really bad moments. Those interceptions um, certainly led to, to making this decision as well. Has he, I know he got a lot of criticism, not, you know, I mean, not just locally, nationally, wherever. Sure. Was, it, was it fair or was it, did you feel like there were people piling on a little bit or was it fair? I always say, John, like we live in this social media world where there's like there's no room for in between, right? Like right. you're either the go or you're trash, right? Like there's nothing, like there's nothing in between. And Jimmy is like almost the very definition of right in between, right? So um, I, I did, I did think some of it was probably unfair. You know, in in 2019, I know he was not the driving force behind them going to the Super Bowl. But if you go back to that season and you watch, and I'll give you a couple examples. The New Orleans game. They went down to New Orleans in December, and this was a road trip. That the last game of a two uh, two week road trip. They stayed on the East Coast. They played in Baltimore and lost a really close game in the rain. And then they they went down to Bradenton, Florida, and trained. And then they played the and it was basically a game in early December that was for the number one seed in the NFC in the playoffs. Huge Drew Brees, Jimmy Garoppolo, and they just dueled it out. It's one of the best games I've ever covered. Super entertaining. The 49ers win the game. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for, I think, 350 yards that day, something like that. Um, it had a couple touchdowns. I mean, it played played really, really well. And they had to have it. The shootout, and they had to have him playing well, and he was at the top of his game. It was probably one of the best games of his career. Week 17 of that year, they go to Seattle, and they're playing the Seahawks for the division. And, again, the one seed is basically on the line in this situation, at least for the 49ers it was at that time. If they lose that game, they have to go on the road the next week, I think, to Philadelphia instead of being at home for the entirety of the playoffs. And he goes up to Seattle in a near flaw game in a really tight Sunday night football game that they won by 
basically a yard uh, coming, getting a stop short late in that game. So he, he again, wasn't necessarily the driving force, the run game, the defense were the, the, the primary factors of that team, but um, there were moments where he delivered in, in a big stage. So I do think that there was some criticisms of him. It was a little bit unfair. I also think a lot of it was fair. And the other thing is, have to remember that when you're when you're covering the 49ers that the standard is joe montana and steve young which <laughs> is completely unfair right it just but it is what it is and and it's, winning is the expectation and playing at that level is the expectation and uh jimmy garoppolo is, is is certainly not on that level of those guys but i also think that you can look at him and say you know what his time here was a success based on where the 49ers were before he got here what they'd been before that little period with Jim Harbaugh and Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Before that little period, they had gone, you know, a quarterback, uh, you know, dating back to Jeff Garcia. And so, yeah, ultimately his time here will probably be underrated as we sit here right now. But I also think as time goes by, people will appreciate it a little bit more. One thing, Sage Rosenfels, who played quarterback in the NFL, very, you know, analyzes games now and all that, studies it. I think he said something along the lines of that in the right situation, he could be better. Although it's hard for me to believe that he'd be in a better situation than what he had. He had a really good offensive yeah. mind, a head coach. He had a really a great defense. He had a run game. I mean, it's to me, that was the best situation. You know, do you think, do you agree with that? Or, or what do you think? I don't, I don't necessarily think he can be, I think he is who he is at this point. I will say that. I will say that, but I will also add that Sage makes a fair point when you think of the fact that Jimmy, despite being 30, hasn't really still played that many games. I think he's, I think he's got 52 games to his name in his career. Um, part of that, obviously, sitting behind Tom Brady for so long. But, uh, but that goes back to the injury thing, right? So if he can stay healthy, and, and I think that's the one, the one question the Niners will always have is like coming out of uh, – at least out of 2019, but even before that, if he hadn't had the ACL in 2018 – where would he have been? Who would he have been? And how much better could he have gotten? Or was this always going to be his ceiling? I think maybe the answer is somewhere in between. I think he maybe could have been a little better than what he is, but also some of that stuff, it just doesn't go away. I don't know. I don't know if you have that ability to see things, uh, you know, as well, you know, your, your vision doesn't improve right. and missing the exceptions and, and things like that. But um, I, I do find it hard to believe that he could be much better than, than what he is here. But I also think there are situations he could go to where he could be a, a reasonable facsimile of it, right? He could be similar. Sure. Uh, Pittsburgh is one of those places that gets mentioned a lot that I think that could be the case. And even Washington, I think, could be the case. I think he could have success there because uh, the Turner offense isn't isn't that far removed from, from so a lot of the things that he was doing here. So I think there's a lot of fits that would make sense for him in that regard. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy? And if he can right. stay healthy long enough to actually get all those reps in succession – and see if maybe there's a little bit more ceiling or a little bit more juice that they could squeeze out of them. Now, and I'm going to get to fits or possible teams and all that. Obviously, this team's going to be interested, depending on who else, you know, there's this sure. whole circus around it. How did he handle things in the locker room? Because it sounds like it was pretty good. Unbelievable. And, 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 and you know, I know people are going to say, well, he got paid a lot of money. He should, you know, the bare minimum he could do is, is, is not be a whiny baby about it. Like, I know that's, I know that's what people think, but, he deserves a lot of credit for it. He handled it about doesn't as well always as, happen in this league. It it doesn't always happen, and he handled it about as well as you could possibly handle it, even to the very end. And um, you know, we have no fans don't necessarily care about this kind of stuff, but we have you know every 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 team around the league. The media does a, a media award at the end of the year. The person who was the most helpful season Jimmy Garoppolo was was never really a candidate for that. 
until this year, and not just because he was leaving, but because of how he handled answering questions endlessly from all of us about his future and in his last uh, his last press conference or Zoom conference that he did with us at the end of the season, I asked him straight up, oh, do you how much say do you want to have in where you go next? And what do you want in your next destination? Which is a question you don't usually ask to a guy who's under contract. Right. I knew that he I knew that he would answer it and he answered it great. And he was very honest, said I want to go somewhere I can win. And I think I got a lot of good football left me and all that, all that kind of stuff. So uh I think the players really respected it. And I actually think that in some ways, as crazy as it sounds, it galvanized this team a little bit that Jimmy never made it an issue, that there was never and it and Shanahan deserves credit for it too because there was never really a true quarterback controversy. Trey Lance handled it well also, but he gets a lot of credit for it. And, and I think there's a lot to be said about how much the guys in that locker room really loved him and how much that contributed to them being able to make a run uh, deep into the playoffs. Why did they like him so much? Like, what is it? What, what's his personality like that? That that is why? why is he just? A, is he a good leader? Or is it just a popular guy? I think I think a little of both. I think I think he grew as a leader. I think part of it was he has that ability to kind of connect with people, all, all kinds of different people playing different positions, and he would make a point to try to do it, which is half the battle, right? Like going across to various positions, taking care of his offensive lineman every year at Christmas. You know the things that you expect, the, but 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 doing it on a personal level and and not just checking a box, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, he's just, he's just, a, he really is just kind of a down to earth bro. Like, you know, like that, that's, that's, that's who he is. And it's a little bit like time. me. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you're both just tremendously good looking dudes. Uh, so. I, I wasn't uh, going to I wasn't going to say it, but I, cause I'd be a little uh, embarrassed yeah, to bring it up my own. Yeah. In line you guys both have. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I, I think, that, you know, he was, he spent that time in new England. So he got to learn from the best to ever do it. And, and I think he, you know, I just, understood it and those guys really respected the fact that you know he played through pain and he did the best he could and 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 obviously uh handled the really tough situation pretty well so let's spend a couple minutes here wrapping it up as to destinations you think make sense again washington's going to be on a list of anybody going after anybody and I, and I always put him in this list not because i necessarily say they should get this guy but because i think he's the one guy that we know will be available so who do you, who are you looking at yeah, and you just touched on it, John. The, the interesting thing here is that I think part of the reason the Niners are confident that they're going to get a, a pretty good return here on Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think they think they can get a one. Maybe it's a conditional, like Carson Wentz type of one that they could potentially get from somebody. But I think that they, they can at least get a, a second round pick and plus something else. And you know, depending on you know how you do conditionals and which year it is and all that kind of stuff. But but putting that aside, I think part of the reason they have that belief is that they think they are going to have the best option on the quarterback market. And that is dependent on a couple of things, obviously. If Aaron Rodgers stays where he is, if Russell Wilson stays where he is, we don't really know what the situation with Deshaun Watson is, is going to look like. So if all those things happen, Jimmy Garoppolo suddenly is, in, and the Niners are both in a good spot, right? Because right. he wants to go somewhere he can win. And the thing that's crazy is, you and I have talked about this a lot, that if you look at the quarterback market, the teams that are going to be in the market for a quarterback, it's not your usual cast of bad teams at the top of the draft. It is a group of teams that are either in the have been in the playoffs recently, were in the playoffs this year, or have rosters that maybe are ready to take that. They can get a hand 
at quarterback, which I think we would agree that's probably the best way to describe Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a, yeah. a steady hand. He's not necessarily going to elevate everyone around him, but if you put him in a good position with good players around him, he's going to probably have success. And so I say all that to say that it's a supply and demand thing. So if if there is you know, not a great supply and Jimmy Garoppolo has the list of what that supply is, much sure, now there's going to be a, a much bigger market than you might expect. And so when I look at that, I say the two teams that I've heard the most, uh, Washington and Pittsburgh, I think they both make a lot of sense. Um, I know I think that there's been a thawing, at least in terms of Washington-San Francisco dynamic. The Trent Williams trade went down. So I, I don't think that that would be an impediment if that were to be something that were to play out. Um, I know Kyle Shanahan has a lot of respect for Ron Rivera and would think he'd be uh, in good hands if he were to go to Washington. Pittsburgh, same type of situation, actually a very similar situation to what he has in San Francisco, a good running game, good defense. Uh, Mike Tomlin and Kyle Shanahan are very close dating to their days together in Tampa. So I think that makes a lot of sense. The Tampa fit, I could see Tampa being in the market. I don't know in terms of the offense because that's very different. Uh, very a lot different. of the vertical stuff, a lot of the vertical stuff that, that that Bruce Arians wants, I'm not sure that that's a fit. But if there's not a lot of better options, you know, maybe they could tweak it that way. I wouldn't rule out Denver. I think I think that's another one that that would make some sense. Uh, Indianapolis, depending on what happens with Carson Wentz, um, and, and there's just so many. There's so many teams. New Orleans, you know, New Orleans would have really been. I think made a ton of sense before Sean Payton retired, sure. uh, even with the Eastern Illinois connection there right. uh, between Garoppolo and Sean Payton, you would have had that too. So, um, but you can't rule them out either because that's another one. So I, I think the 49ers, you know, it, it worked out in a way that they're probably in a good spot where they're going to get something decent for them. They're probably not going to get as much as they want. Another team's probably going to have to give up more than they want, but that's how these things always work, right? You have to find right. that kind of middle ground. But that, and that's what I wanted. I end with this one too. Then the value you brought it up a little bit. You think it would take probably a two this year, not going in. I mean, like Washington has the eleventh pick. Washington would be silly to give up the eleventh pick here. Yeah, I don't think anybody's under the impression they're going to get the eleventh pick for it. I think a two this year, or even a uh, you know, if they if they got like a three this year and and a two next year, or a uh, you know, maybe not a two next year, but you know, a, a five next year. Yeah, a conditional or, you know, I think that something on day two, whether it's in this year's draft or next, um, and if it's in next year's, I think it would be more likely to be a two, right? Um, because you always look at a next year's right. draft, a two is the equivalent of a three this year. So you kind of work it out that way. And then something, you know, in the mid to late rounds uh, in another draft. So, you know, a three to a five, somewhere in there, probably closer in the four or five range. I think that's kind of realistically what the Niners are, are, are probably going to expect out of this. Um, that doesn't mean they won't shoot for the moon. You know, obviously, you know, there there may be a Carson Wentz deal that pops up and a team says, hey, if you stay healthy, you know, this is a two, but it could turn into a one in 2023 or whatever. So you would kick the can down the road that way. But I think that's probably about what the price range is going to be. Um, and again, a lot of that depends, though, on what happens in Green Bay, what happens in Seattle, what happens in Houston. Even Arizona, who knows what's going to go on with that guy, with that situation now, too. So, but you There's, know, it's funny, Nick. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, and what's funny is that when we're looking at these quarterbacks in these conferences, the top young quarterbacks are all in the AFC. The young ones here are the unproven Trey Lances and Justin Fields. And so, like, if you were in the uh, NFC, you have a better shot at going somewhere with Jimmy Garoppolo than if you're in the AFC. I think, you know that. And but if you're if you're Kyle Shanahan, you might say, well, all things being equal, 
I'd rather him over there so I don't have to compete against and maybe you don't think he's the world beater, but, you know, you'd rather not have, be reminded of maybe you got rid of the wrong guy or something. I don't know. But the AFC is going to be a lot more packed. Yeah, I think it's a fair point, and I think it's something that those teams in the AFC, like a Pittsburgh, will probably have to consider, right, is what we do here. And the other thing we haven't talked about here, John, that we should mention at least is there's a contract here that's going to come right. into play. Right, that's a big deal. And that's and that is a big deal. And that is where, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo technically, as we sit here right now, has a no-trade clause. That expires when the new league year starts on March 16th. So it doesn't really matter per se because they can't make a deal for him official until March 16th anyway. But I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a big say in where he lands because they are going to have to do a contract extension right. wherever he goes. Now, Jimmy's not going to turn down an opportunity to go somewhere and be the starter and get an extension, right? Like, I think he would be happy just about anywhere so long as it's not, say, like a Houston um, type of scenario, but I, I think that in this in the situation that he's in, he does have some pull here because of that contract. Uh, it's it's tw- it's like twenty five million for the acquiring team is what his cap number would be next year, and I don't think anybody that can acquire him is going to a want to pay that. But also, most teams don't have that kind of cap space, particularly the ones like we're talking about that are in the mix, that are contenders and have pretty good rosters where they've already paid guys. So that is a huge, huge factor that that is in this equation as well, and I think it's going to factor in. But, again, I go back to the idea of supply and demand. Sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, eighth-grade economics. And, right. And I think the, the Niners – I did do well on that. Have, yeah, the Niners are going to have the supply, and, and maybe not ever there's not going to be enough to meet the demand out there. And I also wonder, too, how that contract – plays out in terms of value getting bad because another team's going to say, listen, I got to pay this guy too. And that's going to make it tougher. So I may not give you quite as much because of that, but who knows? You're right. It's just supply and demand. Nick, I appreciate it. You're the best. Thank you very much, man. You got it, bro. We'll talk to you soon. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Nick for joining me. And thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode on Monday talking to ESPN's Dan Graziano, which quarterbacks will truly be available in other league-wide matters. Yeah, I'm pounding the quarterback drum, but we all know how important it is to this team's growth, so I just want you to be informed. Talk to you next time.